Hello everyone. Today, my co-host, Dr. Prince. Yes, I will always call him Dr. Prince as he is keeping me motivated on this journey and I am just filled with so much admiration and excitement. Um, so yeah, my co-host, Dr. Prince and I are very excited as we step away from the technical to discuss the behind the scenes work of becoming a geologist. And there's no better time to really discuss how to become a ge geologist like May. I mean, May marks the culmination of the school year. It marks graduation for some. It marks preparing for summer for others or doing the last bit of their finishing touches so that they could graduate or move on in August or December. Um, so aside from our two guests that we're gonna have today, I do wanna put the spotlight and celebrate and say congratulations, Dr. Prince. You crossed the stage this year. Um, and introduce our next guest for us, please. Thank you, thank you, Leica, and I can't wait to cheer you on when you cross the stage soon. So today we are fortunate to have Brianna Green with us. She is a geology master's student at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. She's currently studying what happens to microbial activity as permafrost thaws. And this work actually involved traveling to the northernmost town in Svalbard. I hope I got the pronunciation right. Oh, Norwegian friends, feel free <laughs> to correct us in Norway. Uh, and the research group that she's with spent a month there collecting samples and temperatures below 20 degrees Fahrenheit. For this Caribbean <laughs> native, that sounds pretty cool. And this summer, Brianna will be analyzing these samples to complete her master's thesis. So, Brianna, tell us a little bit about yourself. And in particular, what made you decide to become an earth scientist or geologist? Um, so growing up, I spent a lot of times outside. Um, I love the outdoors and in my backyard and in my grandma's backyard and everybody's backyard pretty much. I was always collecting rocks and like different like um, things I've seen outside, like whether it was plants or stuff like that. And um, I grew up like about 15 minutes outside of DC. So we had the Natural History Museum. And so I would go there pretty frequently. And my favorite exhibit was the gem and mineral exhibit. I was always so fascinated and I would like read books about like, like those little, um, like they have the DK books that have like a catalog of like all the gems and minerals. And I was just completely obsessed as a 10 year old. <laughs> and so um, like growing up in classes, like we didn't, they didn't really offer geology as a class. Um, until I went to college. And so I had to take a science elective and geology was on there. And so I signed up and it just like solidified my interest even further. It sounds so. like we all have the same stories. I have those <laughs> DK books. Um, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, it was very pivotal in, I would say my um, wanting to be a geologist journey. <laughs> That's awesome. super funny. My story is super similar, but it also includes Legos and Barbies. But I'll tell you that another day. I mean, I just kind of want to hear a little bit more, though. So you started this journey. You did your undergrad. And what made you decide to go to graduate school? 
Yeah, so um, so I'm currently at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville, Tennessee, which is different for me because I've never lived in the South before. I've lived in Maryland and I've lived in New Mexico. So <laughs> I came from one side of the country to the other and then back to the other side. <laughs> but what made me interested in pursuing grad school um, was ultimately my love of research. So after taking my first geology class, it made me want to like seek out opportunities and internships um, where I'd actually have to like do what other geologists do. And just the whole like research method and research process, I found really fascinating and I really enjoyed, it was something I really enjoyed. Um, and so like all throughout undergrad, I tried, I would contact like professors like, hey, do you have any jobs in the lab? Like I'll even just be, if, even if I can just get in there for free, like that's fine with me. I mean, even though like if you want to shed a couple dollars, that's, that's fine too. But um, ultimately I just really wanted to be in the lab and be in that environment. And so that's ultimately why I decided to um, apply to graduate school. Um, and towards the end of my last semester of undergrad, I remember being so stressed because I had like about 10 types of, or 10 different grad schools that I wanted to apply to. And I just remember being so worried and I was like, oh my gosh, I just like, what if I don't get into any? And what if I get into all of them? Like, what am I going to do? And then like, it took a point of like, just like realizing like my mom, she was just like, you know, what is it that you want to do? And it brought this sort of like existential crisis. And I was like, you know what? That's a very good question. And so at that point, I was like, you know what? Well, all that matters to me is if I can do research and that I'm in an environment that's supportive. Um, and so I only ended up applying to one graduate school. And I was like, if I get in, cool. If I don't, I know it's not my last opportunity. Um, and I'll figure something out. And so, so that's, that's in short, my, um, my decision on grad school. Oh my gosh, that's such a great story. And if you follow Brianna on Twitter, she shares like the most amazing videos of her parents, especially her father. So I am not <laughs> surprised that your mom gave you such good advice. Um, and you kind of talked about like, at the end of the, well, coming towards the end of undergrad, being super stressed, trying to figure it out. Can you tell us a little bit more about the application process and what that looked like for you or, or like how you decided, um, okay, I'm just going to go and apply to one school? Because I think one of the things we hear when we talk to students is sometimes like, you know, graduate admissions, the fees, the GRE costs, stuff like that. They're not sure how to navigate it. Do you mind sharing a little bit about that? Yeah. yeah, so um, fortunately for me, when I was in, um, when I, I did a whole bunch of internships when I was an undergrad, and because of that, they offered a lot of information about um, the graduate school admission process. And so basically, in short, how it goes is first, you always, I mean, at least for science, you typically, you're going to contact someone at a school that you're interested in. You never want to apply just like cold turkey, like not having talked to anyone. You always want to email at least two professors that you're interested in into in the department that you want to apply for. And then of course it's this feedback like 
you know, you have to like them, but also they have to like you. And that shouldn't be any pressure like, oh, like don't act out of character or like try to like please that person. But, you know, it should be this mutual like, oh, like I want to work in your lab. I want you in my lab and then go from there. And so then from there, usually that's half the battle. Because um, once an advisor likes you, I don't want to say that you're guaranteed to get in, but your chances of getting in are much, much higher. Um, and so, and most of these grad schools, they don't have a lot of spots opening for new grads. And so that's another reason why it's important to contact an advisor that you're interested in working with. And for, in different um, departments, they have different requirements. So for example, for mine at University of Tennessee Knoxville, um, they had, you have to put in your GPA, um, your undergrad GPA from all institutions you went to. Um, so I had to put my GPA for community college and my, um, my last, the last school that, or the school that I graduated from, New Mexico Tech. And then I had to submit, well, I think now most schools are like making the GRE scores optional. So um, I did not submit my GRE scores because I just I was like, if it's optional, then I'm not gonna do it because I'm like minimal energy. <laughs> um, and so um, you also need to have letters of recommendation. And I asked for, for letters of recommendation from my first geology professor I asked one from my English professor <laughs> and I asked, also asked one from um, my undergraduate advisor. And so, um, and they wrote me very kind, thoughtful letters of recommendation. Sometimes they don't show you the letter of recommendations that they write, but other times, sometimes they want you to see that. And it's very validating because it makes you think of like how far you've come. Um, but yeah, but usually that's the typical process to graduate school admission. And once you submit all the materials that are required of you, um, usually you'll hear back sometime like in March, um, usually. So like you'll apply like November, December, and then you'll hear decisions by like March, usually. Uh, that's a pretty succinct summary of what the process is like. Um, that's pretty much all it was for me too. It was so good to hear that you had the opportunity as an undergrad to get involved with research. Like, I think undergraduate research is the best thing ever, not just for students who want to stay in academia and do research, but for those interested in graduate school as well, since that's a pretty big uh, component of what we're expected to do. So um, how did you kind of get started with your research? in a time like this, you started graduate school during a pandemic, like yeah. <laughs> that come together. Oh yeah. Um, so um, when I um, emailed my current advisor uh, when I was an undergrad, um, there was no pandemic. It was November of 2019. Um, I felt burnt out still <laughs> from school and whatnot. Um, but there was no pandemic and um, I, or I saw his website and he had a lot of research that appealed to me. And so I emailed him and he, like we talked and he listed like three different projects that um, I could potentially be a part of. And like, 
honestly, all of them were fascinating. I was like, how can I do, is there a way I can just do all of them? But that's not realistic. Um, <laughs> so, but that's how I originally got into um, like the lab I'm working in now. Um, Cause he had mentioned that there's an opportunity to uh, work on permafrost research and potentially go to Norway for field work. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm definitely interested in that. Um, <laughs> so when I actually moved to, down to Tennessee, as far as they knew, as far as we all knew, that was definitely not happening. So um, I felt like it was a very rough time. Like, I mean, it was my first semester of grad school, so I was already feeling some type of way. Um, but just like, you know, you I moved across the country. Suddenly, like the project that I came here for was not in my grasp anymore. And so because of that, my project uh, changed. Um, I'm not doing this project anymore, but um, like since I already like went to Norway, but before what I was going to do um, was be looking at um, COVID, traces of COVID in wastewater to detect future outbreaks on campus. So that was really rough because it's just, it wasn't a project, like it was still a very influential project as especially because it related to like global events, but it was just, it was really hard because I was struggling with just not getting what I wanted, especially after having a pretty, not a rough undergraduate experience, but I was very, I wasn't that happy during the last few years of my undergrad. I was just really tired of where I was going to school and I just felt really burnt out. So this just felt like an kind of like, I felt, it made me feel a little defeated. I was like, I just moved and I paid for all of this. <laughs> like they for a down payment and everything. And now I'm not even doing what I wanted. But what kept me going was that I was like, you know, ultimately I really love to do research. And even if I don't enjoy necessarily enjoy this project, I know this skill will build my resume. And if anything, I can um, put that on my resume and it's just something that I have <laughs> and I have my master's and I can always, you know, like it, because, and that's specifically why I didn't apply to a PhD because I was like, I just want to test the waters with a master's first. Um, <laughs> Let, <laughs> let's like, see how that works out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, I don't want to jump too far into the pool yet. <laughs> so can we backtrack a bit? You mentioned permafrost and that initial project. Can you kind of define for listeners what permafrost is? Yes. So permafrost is defined as frozen soil that has been frozen for at least two years con continuously. Um, so um, this isn't, I'm not, so when I say permafrost, I'm not referring to soil like only during the winter time. I'm talking about soil that's constantly frozen um, and like it will fall a little bit at the top, but ultimately throughout the year, it just stays frozen for the most part. Um, and a lot of permafrost uh, or uh, um, like the global supply of permafrost, a large chunk of that is in the Arctic. Why should we worry about permafrost? Why, why is it important? Um, so one of the reasons why permafrost is very important is because it can tell us a lot about how our climate is changing. 
um, which is the reason why I'm studying um, the degradation or, um, or thawing of the permafrost. So permafrost, because it's sensitive to temperature changes since it's essentially at the top of the world, um, like our anthropogenic or human-based um, inputs into the atmosphere of CO2 um, and stuff like that is making this permafrost thaw at a higher rate. So a good example is if we have an ice cube on top of the car. And in this example, let's take the, um, let's have the ice cube represent the frozen soil. So um, the more the car is out in the sun, um, it's going to thaw that ice cube. However, if it's under, if the car is parked in a car garage, then it's not gonna thaw as, or it's not going to melt as quickly. And so that's a good analogy for what's happening with um, climate change. So of course, um, there's some places that are, not all places on the earth are warming up. Some are cooling down, but for the most part, most places are warming up as a result of like our CO2 input into the atmosphere. And this is important because when we have the permafrost, their CO2, this, or the, their CO2 or methane located in the permafrost. So as it melts, it's also releasing additional CO2 which is contributing to our environment, which makes it even more warm. And this could increase the rate at which it's thawing. And it just becomes, turns into this huge mess, which sounds very depressing. <laughs> but, um, but this is another reason why it's important to study this, to see what the effects of um, thawing will be. Oh, wow. Your research is so fascinating, Brianna. And I cannot believe how much you've been able to accomplish and learn um, in year one, especially with everything that's going on around us. Um, and I mean, it's been exciting just hearing how you've gone on this journey. So I just kind of have one question or one thought I like to, you know, hear, or one thing I like to hear your thoughts on, because I myself as a graduate student, I am struggling with burnout and, you know, keeping that focus and reminding myself of my overarching goals. So I have to say, if you could pick one thing that you figured was like the hardest or the most exciting lesson that you've learned over the years as a grad student, what would it be? Um, and, you know, what are the learnings from that lesson so far? So I think one of the biggest lessons that I learned um, was, or is that, and that I'm still learning, is that it's okay to like and dislike things. Um, I feel like I'm very grateful for all the opportunities that I'm presented with, um, but I feel like with that comes a sense of pressure to enjoy everything, and because of that, I kind of, like got myself into this situation, not this situation in particular, not like me in grad school, but I kind of um, adapted this um, mindset where like, okay, if I don't like something, that means I'm ungrateful. When in reality, if you don't like something, like that doesn't mean you're ungrateful because you still follow through with the um, experience. It's just, you're finding that 
you know, it doesn't correlate with your interests. And that's not a bad thing. In fact, that's a good thing because it's good to know what you like and dislike, especially when it comes to like careers and stuff, because that's something that, you know, you'll probably be in for a while. So I think that's probably one of the biggest lessons. And it's hard for me to accept that I dislike certain things because I'm like, I just want to like everything because I feel like I should like everything. So, um, and another thing that um, I think, I guess I would have, um, like if I could not go back, but if I could change something about my first year of grad school, it would have been to be more vocal about um, how I feel and what I do slash don't understand because I tend to, I, I'm pretty shy at first um, and I have, I tend to be the suffer in silence type where I'm like scared to ask questions and I'm definitely a lot better than I was a year ago, but still like it's important. I'm finding that it's, it's increasingly important, especially in higher education to be very forthcoming about what you don't understand because it does no help to just like pretend like you know what you're talking about because that doesn't help whoever you're teaching and it also doesn't help you understand like what you're actually doing. So um, one of the things, and so that's another big lesson that I've been learning and am still learning <laughs> at the moment. Thank you for sharing. Those are two incredibly fundamental lessons. And I just want to tell you that it doesn't matter how old or how high you get, there are lessons you'll continue to learn because I myself am actually still learning those lessons while working on my doctorate. See, um, <laughs> <laughs> and he graduated. <laughs> Sorry, still, still dealing with it. Well, that's reassuring. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so I think you're ahead, you're ahead of the game right now because you're one year in. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I guess uh, as a way to kind of wrap that up, what one piece of advice would you give to other students wishing to enter the field and maybe go on to graduate school? One big piece of advice that I would give other students wishing to enter this field or any field really, is to come in with an open mind. Um, a, lot of, a lot of people, myself included, I think come in with this idea of like this 15 year plan, like, all right, I will finish my PhD, I will get a postdoc, I will enter academia, I will do this, I will do that, or I'll enter industry and I'll do this. And it's very like, a lot of people like to have their life organized for like the next 20 years. Um, but I think if there's one thing that the pandemic has taught us, it's that you really can't plan everything um, and that sometimes that's okay. And it's important to go at, at everything with an open mind because you find out things that you didn't know and you um, understand that you, under, you, go, you come closer to understanding um, what it is, what your purpose is and what purpose or what impact you want to make. And even if you don't want to make it that big of an impact, you figure that out too. Um, so I think it's really important to come up with an open mind and um, just to really experience things for what they are and not for what you think they should be and, and stuff like that. So yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. So we like to wrap up with a critical, critical session called 
hot potato. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Okay. So, what's the song you blast when you need to turn your day around? Chung Lee by Nicki Minaj. Okay. <laughs> nice. I yes. That. <laughs> it was already at the top of my head. I love Nicki Minaj. I blast Nicki Minaj in the lab all the time. Chung Lee, Nicki Minaj. Uh, as a fellow trainee, I have to endorse that. <laughs> Sorry, I have to go against you guys. Quiet Storm. That's the that's the theme song. You got you got about that Quiet Storm. So we got that new mixtape today, right? Well, not new, but it's in more places. I think it's it's on my listening list for this weekend. <laughs> Wait, Quiet Storm is that a song or a band? Oh my gosh! Ah! <laughs> you do not know Bob Deep. <laughs> no, I do okay. not. <laughs> you have homework after this podcast. <laughs> okay, all right. Writing it down. Noted. All right. So, second question: What's the last thing that you binge watched? Hmm. Dawson's Creek. They just added the. Um, well, I don't think they just added. I think it's been on there a while, but they added all the seasons on Hulu and Netflix. So I've just been binge watching Dawson's Creek, and I am not a Dawson fan. I think it should have been called Joey's Creek because Joey <laughs> is the main character, and she has been in every single episode. Um, so yeah, Dawson's Creek. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm not going to comment on that. I'm just going to say you're hosting a dinner. Who would be your three guests? Anyone dead or alive? Hmm. This is a tough one. Dead or alive? Three people. Dead or alive, who are you cooking mac and cheese for? Three people. Okay. First one would be Harriet Tubman because she's a real one. Second would be probably Tupac. Like if it wasn't for his jams, I think I would <laughs> not be here. <laughs> um, third person, Jesus. There we go. Nice. And again, if you follow Brianna on social media, she does like these little cooking segments, which is why oh, yeah. I... <laughs> Which is why I made the joke about mac and cheese because I know she actually throws down. Um, oh yeah, my mac and cheese. I am every time I make it, I perfect it, and I'm super pumped. Um, yeah, I I picked up cooking during grad school because I actually found that it kind of like helps me like de-stress. So I love to cook every now and then, and I love to go on live on Instagram now that I know how. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be sure to tune in for those. That sounds like my kind of jam. You really would enjoy it. Especially yeah. if some Tupac is playing in the background. Oh, um, yeah, definitely. Wait, <laughs> so have any of y'all read um, The Rose That Grew From Concrete? I think I did. Way back when. Still one of my favorite books. So if you're looking for something to read this summer, pick it up. Uh, and I guess since we're talking about food... Last but not least, DC wings or Tennessee barbecue? Oh, this is a tough one. <laughs> this is a very tough one. Really? Really? 
actually, <laughs> if you said North Carolina barbecue, that would be really tough. Tennessee barbecue, it while it's good, I don't think it's as good as North Carolina barbecue. But I'm still going to have to go with DC wings. Brianna, thank you so much for sitting with us. Thank you for your very candid take and also your controversial take because I know people in Tennessee are not going to be happy. Um, but it's, it's a bit Probably upset some people. <laughs> which was definitely not our intention, but it's been a pleasure having you here. Thank you for sharing your first year. But before we let you go, Brianna, uh, for people who would love to follow your journey, if you're comfortable, please share your social media handle so that they can learn a little bit more about permafrost and the amazing things that you're doing. Oh, yes, of course. So I have my personal Twitter and then I have my science Twitter. And my science Twitter is geo underscore Brie, B-R-I, ology. Um, tried to make it like geobiology, but geobriology. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then my um, Instagram is greenbriana7. Um, not very original, <laughs> automated by Yahoo. Um, but yeah, but those are my two social medias um, that I have that um, sometimes post um, scientific stuff. It's like a mix of science and personal life. Thank you so much. And I know Dr. Prince is going to follow you because he loves a good pun. So I know he appreciated that geo underscore rheology. Yeah, like as, as soon as she said it, I went and found her and followed her. That's oh, all right. I will follow you back. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. Of course.